This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to talk about some of those things that as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, as a soloist, that's a new term that we have learned from one of my recent guests, that we often don't think about, ignore, uh, put off, try and do it ourselves, all those various things. And that's the legal aspects of our business, the actual true legal parts of how to do business, how to continue as a business, how to protect yourself as a business. So please join me in welcoming Scott Reeb to our program today. Welcome, Scott. Oh, thanks, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you before we get started. So Scott Reeb is known as America's Legal Coach. He's official. He's the official Zig Ziglar small business lawyer, a Ziglar Legacy Certified Trainer, and he has over 20 years of experience as an attorney. For the last two decades, Scott has been helping business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, and service providers to shatterproof their businesses and succeed in the professional world. Scott is a firm believer that seeking legal advice doesn't have to be intimidating or expensive if we treat lawyers like primary care doctors instead of ER doctors. Through his subscription-based access plan legal service, Scott is making great strides in shifting that perspective. So again, Scott, welcome. Deb, it is really great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this time. You know, I, I love the concept that we need to think about our, our legal needs as something that is part of the team, you know, as like you said, primary care as opposed to, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the sky is falling type of thing. Because often when we're at the sky is falling type of thing, it, it may even be too late to, to save. So, you know, why is it, why do you think so many businesses wait for the sky is falling as opposed to, okay, let's, let's, let's have this as an ongoing type of, of, a part of our team? Well, I'll give you the simple answer first is they think they can't afford to have a legal team. Okay. Um, and right, rightfully so that per, that perception is very true because generally in the marketplace, all of the lawyers are charging uh, large retainers and then you pay them by the minute. Mm -hmm. And so the perception for small business owners is that if I call a lawyer, money starts flying out of my pocket. Right. So, yeah, so it makes a lot of sense that they don't call lawyers uh, before they make a decision mm -hmm. because they think they can't afford it. And most lawyers, they're correct. Right. Um, it well, took and a, when you're in a crisis situation, whether it's your health or your legal care, it does tend to be more expensive. I mean, you know, that's just the, the fact of the matter. Oh, definitely. It's like buying plywood in a hurricane. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just not the right time to do it. And so that's why back in 2012 – we went to work trying to develop a different system so that small business owners could have access 
to legal services and information, just like Fortune 500 companies do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason that there's lawyers roaming the halls of those Fortune 500 companies, right? Because they those the people there know they need that information on demand. Mm-hmm. And I think many small business owners, and and we're talking true small business owners, not the people that make the millions of dollars a year that still fall under the definition of small business owner, right? But the, you know, the the entrepreneur, the small business owner, might be working out of their home, you know, or working somewhere where they've got one or two employees. I think a lot of times they do think, Ugh, we don't need to do that stuff. You know, and the bad part is they ignore that stuff as in legal, CPA, and tax people. I mean, those are the kind of the three that often get ignored the most, anyhow, in, in my you know, experience, because we do think, oh, we can do it ourselves or it's not needed. Right. And that's, that's happening right now in the mind of someone that's listening for sure is that mm-hmm. you know, this is never going to happen to me. Um, I don't, my business is simple. I don't need uh, the complications that a lawyer would bring to my, mm-hmm. my life. Right. And I get it. Uh, they're just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in our world today, it's, it's, it's no longer if something bad is going to happen from a legal perspective in your business. It's when. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the statistics, you know, 30% of any of small businesses are always involved in litigation at any given moment. Right. Um, and, and it's just very unlikely that you will survive uh, a whole career as an entrepreneur and not find yourself entangled in some sort of mm-hmm. dispute, whether it's with the government or with another uh, business or customer that isn't happy with, with you. We can't make everyone happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're in a very sue happy world right now. Right. And so you end up being the subject of a lawsuit, even if you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, it is something that does happen to everybody. And it's funny, we tend to think, you know, as I said, you know, oh, not needed. I'm not in that type of business. You know, I'm, and people always think, well, you know, you might need it if you're doing something like contracting or, uh, you know, something where you're needing, obviously, um, liability insurance, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, uh, an example that I, that I give, and this is my own example, I often um, have subcontractors that work for me doing, you know, website development, social media, whatever it is. And when I first started business, you know, it was, I, I picked my friends as my subcontractors. And that was great. That was hunky-dory. We had, you know, kind of handshake agreements, maybe some emails that would say, okay, I'm going to pay you X, you know, some things like that. And then we were working on a big project with a client and the uh, client contacted me. And now this client was a personal friend and the contractor knew that my client was a personal friend. So that was what I, I never could get over. And so the client contacted me and said, you got a problem. I said, ooh. <laughs> And he said, X person contacted us earlier today and said, oh, by the way, if you work with me directly, it's less expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was floored. I mean, it was just, I was betrayed. This was, you know, you know, all sorts of various things. And so I, of course, contacted said contractor and I said, what the? <clears throat> and she said, oh, I didn't do that. I said, sweetie, I have the email. <laughs> She went, oh. So, you know, I promptly got a contract that my subcontractor signed. 
It's pretty simple, pretty basic. I, you know, it, it is, you know, it, it was created by an attorney so that it has the, the proper verbiage in it, but mm-hmm. it protects both of us. You know, it also says, I'm not going to steal her clients or the, or his clients, you know, and, and so that's just one example of a simple little thing where you're thinking this couldn't, this is not going to go wrong because I'm working with my friends and, you know, and, and it really was something that could have come out disastrous. Now, did it cost the friendship? Yeah. Um, but you know, that was kind of the, 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 the least of the, the problems. Right. And yeah, I'll take a point uh, this moment to kind of do my legal disclaimer. Oh yes. Disclaimer time. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, just because I'm giving uh, general legal advice on some kind of common things that you can do as a small business owner to protect yourself. I am not your lawyer. And so I don't know the specifics of your life, your business or your situation. And so I can't give you specific legal advice over um, this broadcast. We can do that uh, if they reach out to me uh, through the website or uh, email me, then we can start a personal relationship where I can know the specifics and then we can really help. Right. So today we're just going to give some, some kind of broad generic uh, solutions and strategies that generally work. And um, if you use them, they're not going to blow up in your face, but mm-hmm. I just want to make sure everyone knows that I don't, because I don't know you in your situation, that this could what I say could not apply to you. So you want to make sure that mm-hmm. it fits. Well, and it also varies from state to state, which just always, you know, is, is one of those things that is confusing, perplexing, you know, all, uh, all those various things. I had uh, someone on uh, one time as uh, a guest who was talking about from a tax standpoint, and, and this was his specialty, um, where were the best states to incorporate in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like, it really, it's there's there's you know different states do different things, um, but but yeah. So you know, for what we're saying, people make sure that you check out what your own state's laws are, or more importantly, have an attorney um, that you're you're talking with, because incorporation laws vary. You know all these various things, so you want to make sure that. You didn't just do what, you know, your sister did or your, your friend Bob, you know, especially if they live in different states or even have different businesses. You know, especially it, it, Bob. Yeah, I know. Got to watch that Bob, <laughs> you know. And, you know, you really do need to make sure that you know what is applicable for your state. I couldn't have said that better myself, Deb. So now one of the things that, you know, we – hear a lot about are people who have a side business or the side hustle as is, you know, the, is the, the new key term right. where they, people have a regular job and they decide, Oh, you know, I want to try something else, whether it's to make a little extra money. Maybe they want to eventually have that as a full-time business, all these various things, but they start doing X, you know, selling a craft on Etsy or, you know, maybe it's somebody who's doing drywalling on the weekends or, you know, things like that. And they think somebody can just write me the personal check and, you know, and, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Danger, danger, right? <laughs> <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. Yes. Um, yeah, but yeah, and that's, and yes, that's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's okay, right? And so that's why it happens. Right. But the truth is, if if you are if you are taking money for services or for goods, you are in business. Even if you consider it your hobby right. or side hustle, it's a business. And once you're in, in commerce and business, then you are exposed, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so you're exposed to liability for someone that maybe you make upset. You're, uh, you could violate some, you could violate copyright, you could violate trademarks, you could do all kinds of things inadvertently mm-hmm. uh, that could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. And because you jumped into this thing with an, you know, what Michael Gerber would call an entrepreneurial seizure, um, you don't, you haven't followed some basic legal steps in setting up this enterprise. And so you are totally exposed. And I can hear people right now rolling their eyes and saying, Oh Scott, that's what lawyers always say because they want our money. They want their money. Mm-hmm. Right? But you have to, you have to look at this seriously that if you have anything of value, if you have cars, if you have investments and hopefully you're you know taking some money home and, and saving it, anything you have is exposed to the people you're doing business with if you own it in your personal name, mm-hmm. right? Because now you've got a business that's just you. You're a solopreneur, a sole proprietor. Um, so you're doing business on uh, Etsy, Pinterest, what all the ways you can sell things, uh, eBay. Um, you're doing that personally. If you have anything, that's exposed. If you, t- if you take one small legal step and create a legal entity, that operates your business, then you've now put a wall between your business and your personal life. Mm-hmm. That one single step now has protected what you bring home. And like I, I like to say my mission is to help entrepreneurs grow, grow businesses that are profitable and then make those profits last by building these structures around them so that no one can take it. Mm-hmm. There's these people called predator creditors that um, want to come take your stuff, even though you have no agreement with them to do so. Right. They're out there looking. And so if you take this one simple step and I, you know, this is kind of the first step on the journey is that you create a, a corporation or a limited liability company. Mm-hmm. My preference is the limited liability company. I'm sure you can find another uh, one of my colleagues that would say, Oh, another corporation is the way to go. Um, we can just agree to disagree on that. But either one is going to be better than running as a sole proprietor mm-hmm. because you've now put that wall of separation. Now, does that create some complexity? Sure. Right. You have to open you know, have a new bank account. You have to get a federal tax ID number. Everything needs to now be separate. So you only have business expenses in your business account and your personal expenses in your personal account. You can, it's not that hard. And, right. and you can do it online. You bet. You bet. It's not that hard. Now, as your side hustle grows, um, there may be some more complexity uh, that we need to add to that to really protect your business. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've talked about protecting your personal assets from your business. You also need to be able to protect your business assets from your business operations. Mm-hmm. And so there is some more complicated enterprise designs and structures that you need to have once you become a serious business owner. Um, and you determine in your own mind where that number is, what that dollar amount is. But to you at least need to have what I call the foundation of a business, which is that that legal entity, and you know it it's not, it's not that expensive to have a lawyer do it and do it right. Right. Um, you know, say you if you called me to do it today, um, our price today uh, in uh, February of 2019 is fifteen hundred dollars to form your LLC correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a small investment to make sure that everything that you take out of your business and at home is protected. Right. Is it, it's still real money. I get it. 
Um, I, I don't like giving people that much money either. But it's an, if you're going to have a business, you need to be ready to make some investments in that business. Mm-hmm. So that's a very small capital investment to make sure that what you're doing doesn't hurt you in the right. long Yeah, it's funny. When I started my business, oh my gosh, I think it's been over... 10, 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. um, I trotted down, you know, because <clears throat> Al Gore hadn't invented the internet. And <laughs> so I had to physically go to the Colorado Secretary of State, you know, file the paperwork. It was, it was really easy, you know, and, and, and I am an LLC. My company is an LLC. But I had been, you know, before that point, I'd been thinking about it and I met with a business coach. And one of the things she told me was part of why I needed to do this was so other people knew I was serious about it. And you know, and that really struck home for me. You know, I, it wasn't just, oh hey, Deb Creer's doing this. It's this is wise women communications. You know, and and so then and, and especially because my the my clients were corporate entities. You know, so I, I could go to them as another corporation or as Deb Creer. You know, which one were they going to take more seriously? And more importantly, who were they going to deal with? Yeah, and I've seen some anecdotal uh, evidence that just by taking the step of forming that entity, that your chances of uh, surviving uh, are greatly increased. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they say that if you can, that most businesses don't make it five years, that statistic goes way up if you don't incorporate. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of incorporation, I have several friends who are S corps. Mm-hmm. What is specifically an S corp and what's the difference? And again, disclaimer time, disclaimer time, but um, you know, what kind of generally what's an S corp? Yeah. And so, so this is kind of a tax tax related issue and I only play a uh, tax lawyer on TV. Okay. So that's my <laughs> Not in real life. Not in real life. Um, but um, the traditional corporation, if you file and you, 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 so you're, you know, I would be Scott Reeb Inc., uh, that would be a corporation. It would come out of the box as a C corporation. Mm-hmm. A C corporation pays taxes. Mm-hmm. It has a tax return and it pays tax taxes. If you listen to political campaigns, they'll talk a lot about you know the corporate tax rate. That's what they're talking about is what does a C corporation pay? Mm-hmm. Well, an S corporation is a tax, another tax classification. Um, so a C corporation is usually a really big company. Um, and the smaller companies didn't like having to pay that tax uh, on on revenue as a corporate corporate level, and then when they came home, so the IRS created the sub S classification, and so now what happens is a corporation has that classification files an informational return with the IRS, mm-hmm. and then the profit and loss goes to the owner, the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and they file their 1040. But you no longer use a Schedule C because now you've you're incorporated, and so you only pay. Uh, all of the tax on your what you pay yourself a basic salary for what it would you know what someone would make for doing the same or similar job in another in another business. Right. That's your reasonable salary. You pay yourself a uh, salary, take out taxes like you would for any other employee, even if you're the only employee. Mm-hmm. And you um, you so you pay the FICA, the Social Security, all that stuff. And then on distributions uh, from the corporation or LLC, you only uh, then you just pay the income tax. Mm-hmm. And so you save uh, around 15% seems to kind of be, you, you kind of save that. You no longer pay the self-employment tax, mm-hmm. the real killer. Um, and so it's just a tax election. And this kind of leads me back to the LLC. 
this is one of the great things about the, the limited liability company is that the IRS considers it a check the box entity. And what they mean by that is you can be taxed any way you want to. Mm. So if you can be taxed as a sole proprietor, so if you like doing your schedule C and you and your uh, accounting tax expert believe that's the best for you. Great. Check the box when you set it up, run it as a, a sole proprietorship. If you think being taxed as a partnership is better for you, all you have to do is add some minimal minimal second uh, member to your LLC. Now you're a partnership and you can use the partnership tax code if it benefits you. Mm-hmm. Or you can be a sub S if that benefits you. Mm-hmm. You can even go back and be a C corporation from a tax standpoint if that strategy works for you. Right. So by, by doing the LLC thing, you leave all of these options open to you and your tax advisors as your business grows, as the tax code changes, you can jump around. You don't have to stay in that same box. Mm-hmm. If you're a corporation, you have two choices. You're right. either going to tax as a C corp or an S corp. Mm-hmm. That, does that help? It does. And it definitely points out why once you're, you're doing this and doing it seriously, you have to have the team. You have your lawyer and you do have a CPA and a, and a tax advisor. You know, there's no way I can do my own taxes. They're not all that complicated, but because of the LLC and things like that, it's just easier to, to have my, my good friend do it um, and who is, you know, she is, she is a CPA and, and so she can do it for us. And, and initially we tried one of the online services. You can't do it that way. You know, it, anyhow, you, you didn't used to be able to. And so again, you know, it, it's just, you're taking your business seriously enough to have that team of experts, you know, and, and we should have a team of, of advisors, you know, marketing people, oh. salespeople, all these various things. And it's funny, a lot of times we do, but then we forget the really important things, um, you know, and, and, and I tell people, you know, there are some things that I, I might kind of um, do a little loosey goosey, but I don't ever mess with the IRS. <laughs> so, you know, you want to make sure that you've done this properly because, you know, say you have a side hustle that does really well. Do you all of a sudden want IRS coming back saying, <laughs> give us our share? Um, you know, and, and, and if you've tried to do things where you're just taking cash, where you're, you know, not reporting it, mm-hmm. uh, no, just don't, don't do it, folks, you know, and, and take the steps to, to make it a legal entity. Again, it's not that complicated. You know, one of the things people, I had somebody tell me one time, I can't get a tax ID that's so complicated. I said, it's one online form. Uh, you know, and and it's like ten minutes. I mean, at the most, and that's with reading all of it. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's it's not a complicated process. That way, then you're not giving out your social security number. You know, that was one of the things I told this person. You don't want to be given you know random people basically your social security number. You want to have a tax ID. Um, you know, and so that that was just one of the things that you know it's it's easier to be safe than sorry. Yeah, that's another benefit. I, I hadn't even thought of that. That yeah, you're, it does give you a little more uh, protection with that. You never have to share your your social anymore. The um, it, it's, all of that seems very simple. Um, setting up an LLC, for instance, because you just file a piece of paper with the state, and then they say you are uh, an LLC. There's actually some other steps that most entrepreneurs skip over mm-hmm. uh, that could become problematic for them if they ever get into an issue with the IRS or, mm-hmm. or with um, like if it's, it's in litigation, if you don't have an operating agreement, mm-hmm. if you haven't um, done minutes of a, of a 
uh, startup meeting to to, ver- to approve the formation of that LLC. Mm-hmm. If you're not keeping annual type documents to show that you're really running a legitimate uh, entity, all of those things can come back on you. And then what you've done by setting up this wall could come crumbling down. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that you do it right. Um, we've talked about technology and there's so many things available for you to do these things yourself. Um, you just got to be really careful when you do that because you may not, you may think you understand the simple question, mm-hmm. but you may not understand it appropriately because you don't have the right context. Right. So if you use a tax professional to fill out your, uh, the, the SS4, which is the document you use to get your tax ID number, mm-hmm. they know how to answer the questions for you right. and there's no mistakes on there. Mm-hmm. The same as the attorney knows how to fill out the answer to questions that you would see on on the popular legal sites to form your entity. And so if you invest a a few dollars in making sure that the experts are doing it, then you're going to get a result that will be long lasting and you'll know it's right. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't work on my own teeth. I don't do my own surgery. I, I probably could get a book and read on that and figure it out. But, um, one, it's, it's not the easier. best use of my time, mm-hmm. and it uh, and there's just a real chance that I could do something wrong right. that that could be painful. Well, and you mentioned the fact that there's a lot of information. There's a lot of information, and and I think that's where many people get stuck. Is first of all, they Google it, and you know, and and in fact, here, let me try that real quick. Let me just see. Let me Google <laughs> setting up a business and just see how many we get. Okay. Okay. I got to count the zeros. Almost 3 billion, with a B, folks, 3 billion results on how to set up a business. So right there, I just went, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm, this is too complicated. Um, you know, and, and, and then, you know, granted, you can drill down setting up a business in Georgia, you know, Texas, Colorado, wherever you are. But the the problem with the internet is there's just too much stuff. It's kind of like, you know, if you if you Google how to do heart surgery, do you really want to do your own heart surgery? Or you know, do you want to go to the person and say, okay, you're the person who went to school and learned how to do this. I'll go off and do what I'm supposed to do. You do what you're supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, and and it, then it's it's funny because I'm also looking on here and there's the cheap ways to do it. <laughs> and you know, we're we're not going to knock any of those because depending on your situation, it might actually work. But just remember, folks, you do get what you pay for. Yeah, the key word is it might work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we want what does work. Right. Um, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I guess mm-hmm. nothing is a hundred percent. But we want to take the you know the the road that we know is proven, mm-hmm. and that is to use the professionals that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want to leverage LinkedIn, you talk to Deb because she knows how to do it. If you want to make sure you're paying the right amount of taxes and not too much, then you hire the best tax CPA you know, that you can find and you are happy to pay them because you know that they're going to do it right and that if it's wrong, their name's on that return and the IRS is going to go to them and ask questions. Right. Yeah, I love that part. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah, their their names on there, um, you know. And and same thing with an attorney, you know. And there are there are definitely times where you need that. You know, I have for the vast majority of my clients, I have a written contract. <laughs> Long gone are the days where we do handshakes. You know, there's just too many things that can go wrong with a handshake. Um, I worked for an agency one time in Colorado where 
we had a, a, a client that had been with the firm for 10, 15 years. I mean, it was one of those things where you just automatically budgeted for the income because it was a monthly retainer type of thing, mm-hmm. all these various things. And and it had been started, you know, 10, 15 years ago on a handshake agreement. Nobody ever thought to, to change any of that because it had been working, right? You hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, they got a new director of marketing who didn't like our firm and he gave us one month's notice. We were lucky to even get the one month's notice because there was certainly nothing that that held him to to any agreement with us. And it was oh almost fifty percent of the, the agency's business that went out the door. Um, you know, and, and so again, contracts and, and contracts, you know, we we hear the word contract and we think <laughs> but they're protecting both sides. You know, we and, and we it's funny, we do contracts to buy a house. You know, all these other things. So we need to be having a contract to do business. And now, again, it depends on the, the type of business you're doing, but it could just be something like, you know, say you're selling something on Etsy. Maybe part of what you're saying is no refunds or refunds only within 30 days or, you know, something. But, you know, we're, we're, there's still a little bit of, of legal um, things that, that need to be taking place. Yeah, because the truth is you're entering into contracts all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, they're not well-defined um, and you can't go back to them and look at them because you're doing them through email or you're buying something on Etsy mm-hmm. or eBay. And when you, if you're the buyer, if when you hit the buy button, you've created, you've signed off on a contract. Mm-hmm. And when you're the seller, if you list it for sale, um, that's an offer that can be accepted. And as mm-hmm. soon as the buyer accepts it, you're locked into whatever the terms and conditions that were stated on your offer are. That is the contract. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't, you may not like that contract because you haven't taken the time to think through uh, what I I call it, the uh, dollars and dates. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things that you really always have to focus on uh, in a contract are what are the dollars that are changing hands and what are the dates that I have to do uh, do something for this person or they have to do it for me or I have to pay. If you kind of focus on those two things, get those nailed down, that really um, goes about 80% of the way to making sure you have a good agreement. Um, you you have to have a contract to do business anymore. You can't do the handshake. Mm-hmm. But it, if you, what my experience has been that if, if a small business owner goes to a lawyer to get their contract done, they come away with this 20-page contract that no one will right. sign. It, it, and, and nobody reads it. Well, and if, if they do read it, then they run away from you because they're scared. Right. Um, why do they need that? They're thinking, kind of if they just told me I can't breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so what we do is try to create uh, smart, friendly uh, legal agreements that use as plain of words as we can mm-hmm. uh, and as, as little uh, pages as we can mm-hmm. so that you can do business. It needs to be friendly and easy so that when you slide that to someone across the table, they um, either can read it quickly or look at it and not be scared and not read it, mm-hmm. uh, but it still be, uh, you, know, bo- you know, have the, the right legal mumbo jumbo in it to protect you. Mm-hmm. And if you do those things, then say you, you talked about a friend relationship earlier. If you had had a simple two page agreement in place that said what the relationship was, what you could and couldn't do, who you couldn't talk to, who you couldn't, you couldn't go around each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that relationship might still be 
um, in place. Right. Uh, so con- I, I like to, you know, contracts um, keep honest people honest. Mm-hmm. Without that written document, sometimes we'll have a tendency to, cro- to cross over uh, to the dark side and do things that we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And if you have a written document, then you can go, hey, hey, Bob, I saw you did this. Did you remember that in our agreement, you can't do that? Mm-hmm. And Bob will say, no, I didn't remember that. And you go back and you look at page two, line three, and it says, Bob can't do that. And he goes, oh, uh-huh. thanks for reminding me. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Right. If you don't have that written agreement, well, then Bob's going to say, no, we didn't. That's not what we talked about. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it that way. Right. Yeah, because you got to watch Bob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bob's dangerous. Yeah. And and again, it's protecting both sides. Um, you know, I've I've had potential clients before that have said, oh, you know, we, we don't like contracts. We just, we just can do this on a handshake. And I say, no, we can't. <laughs> and, and again, it's to protect both sides. And I tell them, you know, it, depending on what it is, I might have, say we're developing a website for them. And if they didn't sign the agreements, it might mean that I legally owned their website. Oh, yes, that's where. I and that. you know, and 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 you know, and that that's a whole another area because that <laughs> does vary from state to state. Um, but you know, and and so then, what if you know I decide I don't like you anymore, so I'm going to take your site down, or you didn't pay your bill on time, so I'm going to take your site down, or I'm not going to pay the renewal fee with Google or whoever, and oops, there goes your site. Um, you know, all these various things. And, and again, who owns trademark? It, it's funny, I did a, a, a website, or not website, logo design for a client many years ago, and, you know, gave her 20 options, narrowed it down to three, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along in the, the process, and it was a, a long-term client, she said something along the lines of, her husband liked one of the logo designs so much he was using the one for his firm. And I went... <laughs> wait, (laughs) you only paid for the one. And she very smartly looked at me and said, that's not what our contract says. And guess what? My husband is a contract law attorney. And I went, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so they very nicely, um, uh, he actually rewrote my contract so that that part was covered. Um, You know, and so it does say, you know, you get X number, you know, and, and, and I, Person, you know, I as in wise women own all of the others, and you can't use them. You know, and, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, just simple things like that. You know, it never dawned on me that she would go, "Oh, hey," because she actually thought that by you know by the the loosey goosey agreement we had, that the ten concepts we gave to her were hers. No, only the you know in my mind, mm-hmm. and that's of course where we always have the differences. What I thought was one thing, what she thought was something different. Yep, that's the. That that's what happens every day, mm-hmm. um, and so you have to, you've got to have something you can go back to, and and like, at least you did have a written agreement, right. so you can go back to it and see that okay, yeah, we didn't cover that right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So you, and you, and now it's just yeah. a, another little paragraph in my contract. Yep, and so you, you, know, you learned from that and moved on, mm-hmm. um, but you were able to salvage the relationship because you had a document to go back to. If it's just if it's just your memory versus someone else's memory, that is not going to go well. No. Just and, and, we, and if you actually end up fighting it, that's not going to go well. You know, that he said, she said, <laughs> you know, that gets real iffy. It does. Yeah, it's very iffy. So one of the things I mentioned kind of, you know, as, as when I was talking about that was trademarks. 
And, you know, and, and that's something that I think is always an interesting conversation. Um, I took the, the, the steps of trademarking the Business Power Hour. I noticed that. And, you know, and, and I did that because it's a somewhat generic name, um, but I wanted to make sure that nobody else was using it. And now I did it myself. <laughs> I and it, which you know I, I know I shouldn't have so you know I'm slap on slap on my hands, um, but it is something that I think many business owners really need to think about: is do they have a name? And maybe it's their name, maybe it's their tagline, maybe it's you know something. But why are trademarks so important? Yeah, the trademarks are really important because you could end up building your. Uh, your brand, your business on someone else's if you're not really careful. Uh, right before I jumped on with you, one of our access clients called me that's wanting to start a new venture and we're having the same conversation. If he's like, this is the name I want to use, how, how do I make sure that we don't use a name that someone already has uh, and, and it's a name that we can protect? Mm-hmm. And so, Basically, whenever you start your business, you need to be thinking about these things. What mm-hmm. what are we going to call the business? So there's a couple of things you want to think about. One is, is someone else using that? And so you do a lot of Google searches to try to see, is anyone else using it? Uh, you go to the popular domain sites, see if you can get the URLs for this brand name that you like. If you if you can get it, then probably, you know, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. You're closer to there, no one else is using it. Another thing you should always think about, and as a business owner, I think is, is your business name or brand name good uh, for keyword searches? Uh, business power hour obviously is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you want to take the next step of hiring a lawyer to do a trademark search to make sure that no one else has filed an application possibly uh, to use that trademark or mm-hmm. that the trademark office um their, their trademark agents would review yours as being what they, they call confusingly similar mm-hmm. to another mark. And all that, I know that's none of that's any fun. And it's like, well, that takes all the fun out of being an entrepreneur because we can't just, just go from the hip and start businesses. Uh, and you can, uh, it's just that you could end up having a brand that someone already owns. And when they discover you, they then send you a cease and desist. Yeah, you get one of those letters, uh-huh. and you um, you've you've infringed on their trademark. And there's real, there's not a defense. You, there's no oops defense. Mm-hmm. You've you've infringed, and if they want to be mean about it, they can make you uh, pay some statutory penalties and things. Right. They generally won't if you'll just stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have to completely rebrand. Mm-hmm. We had a client. It's um, been five years ago that came in. Um, and they were a business that had they had, they bought a business that had been in business for more than five years. They'd owned it another five years, had not worked with a lawyer, came on board as an access clients, and we start talking about this issue, your brand. I noticed like on yours, you've got the circle R because you have a registered trademark. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have the circle R, and they didn't have uh, the TM where they were claiming a trademark. Mm-hmm. And so when I asked the question, they said, no, we haven't done anything about that. Is that important? I'm like, well, yeah, because you're expanding rapidly. They were in five states at that time. Now they're in 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, you, you need to make sure that you have protection with that brand name. Mm-hmm. So we, when we filed, filed to do the search, it came back with lots of different, very similar companies. Ooh. Some of them were so similar that 
they could have really considered our mark infringing. Mm-hmm. Um, we went ahead and filed the application. We didn't get any opposition and they got their mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but had the trademark office refused their mark, then they would have been on record with the world that we're infringing on all these other marks mm-hmm. and they would have had to change their 20 year brand right, and rebuild it. The, you know, the cost of doing that when you're in eight different States, it, it would have been tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to rebrand that. And then right. that's, that's just the hard cost. Mm-hmm. Then what does it cost to get the traction that you have? I have no idea how to put a dollar amount on that. Mm-hmm. But if they had take, if they had spent, let's say a thousand dollars to make sure that they had their, that they could own the brand. Wow. Yeah. What a bar- what a bargain. Yeah. But up front it looks like, oh no, I'm I haven't spent all this money. But it's if you look at it as just an investment to protect yourself from the future problems that you, you know are avoiding by making sure that you're building your business on the right brand, mm-hmm. then it's really a step that if you're serious about what you're calling your business and it's not your name, um, you know, if if it's your name, okay, you're fine. No one's going to have a trademark in your name. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much okay. But if it's like the business power hour, mm-hmm. then you have to make sure that no one else has had this great idea because, um, you know, like, like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. So as creative as we think we are, mm-hmm. um, someone else has thought of the same name. And if they've used it uh, in commerce, you could be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when I started my business, that was one of the considerations. You know, should I use my name? Should I use, you know, a Rocky Mountain something or other? You know, all these various things. And and it was funny because, you know, my company name is Wise Women Communications, LLC. Um, you know, and, and I had, oh, I'd been incorporated for probably five, ten years. And I got a cease and desist mm. from another organization in Denver that had Wise Women Council. And, and they said, you have to stop using Wise Women Communications. And, and it was funny because I actually belonged to that organization. It was a chain. <laughs> so I thought, well, that was kind of tacky of them. But, you know, I, I, you know the first thought was, <laughs> and then I, I paused and I thought, okay, first of all, I incorporated a long time ago. There's wasn't the same name, all these various things. And, and you know, so I, I made a quick call to an attorney who sent back a, basically bite me letter to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they ended up using wise women counsel. I mean, that, and that was perfectly fine, but I still got to, you know, I, I kept my name, but if I hadn't taken those legal steps, I mean, they might have been able to have, have said, no, you, you have to change your business name. Yeah. And if you had, and you didn't say whether or not, if, if you had actually registered the trademark um, back when you incorporated, then you would have had, um, you know, what we would call prima facie evidence that right. you, we're using that mark. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's really easy. Then the, the, that letter is really easy because you just send back a, a printout from the USTPO right. office showing that you own that mark. Uh, you know, yeah, and it's the, the legal equivalent of neener, neener. Yeah. If you send <laughs> us, if you, if you persist on this, we'll come after you for infringement and then they go away. But if you haven't taken that step and I really think um, that as, if as a serious entrepreneur, when you incorporate, that's when you should trademark. Mm-hmm. Do it just yeah. Do, do it, it at the start. Yeah. yeah, you know, and one of the things we also see is that people will take a bigger, well-known name and think, "Oh, nobody'll notice." Um, it was just in the the news here in in Georgia yesterday that a a small golf tournament 
here in Georgia, which kind of surprised me that they were actually brave enough to do this in Georgia, called themselves the Masters <laughs> and gave the winter green jackets. And, you know, and, and of course, the big guy, the big Masters, the real one said, no, you can't do that. And so they changed their tournament name. They were very happy to change their tournament name. You know, they just kind of thought, and of course, what they got was a lot of publicity. Um, But then they still were giving out the green jacket. And the the Masters tournament came back and said, no, that is part of our brand. You can't use that either. Um, You know, and and so that's just one of the, you know, don't don't think, hey, I'm going to tag along. I'm going to be Wanda Walmart, you know, and and no, you know, and especially if it's a big brand that has the attorneys that are walking the halls, you know, don't take them on folks. Don't, don't risk losing your business or at least having to rename everything just because you thought you could, could be kind of cute or, you know, tag along. Yeah. And there, there are people out trolling looking now for Mm -hmm. that kind of infringement. Yep. Well, now one of the things we mentioned in your bio is that you, you help to make sure that, that, someone's business is shatterproof. What do you mean by that? And, and what are some strategies to make sure that your business is shatterproof? Sure, sure. Shatterproofing uh, is the process that we use here uh, to, make, to make businesses uh, where they can survive legal challenges. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, it's like the glass in our, our windshields in our cars. Mm-hmm. The, they're made of shatterproof glass uh, so that when things hit them, the things don't come straight through and hit you in the face. And the glass doesn't come through and hit you in the face. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, as you're driving your business, your vehicle down the road, um, rocks are going to fly off of vehicles. They're going to hit your windshield. They'll mark it. Then your access lawyer can address that when you have time to pull over and deal with it mm-hmm. instead of it coming through and hitting you in the face. And so if you haven't taken some of the st- basic steps that we've already discussed, um, then those rocks are really going to come through and hit you and hurt you. And so we have, I've got five uh, proven strategies that you can use to shatterproof your business. Uh, one of the first ones is what we've talked about, create your business on a solid foundation, which is you have to have a legal entity. Mm-hmm. The, the, a second strategy is, and you've, mentioned, you've touched on this too, is you have to have some key advisors as an entrepreneur. The first one that I think you need uh, is a CPA. Mm-hmm. You have to have someone that can help you with the money because the only reason you're in business is to make money. Mm-hmm. And so CPAs are the ones that can help you keep score. If you don't have someone like that, that's helped you set it up right from a tax standpoint to make sure you're not paying more taxes than you should, uh, but you're paying the right taxes um, to make sure that you've got your chart of account set up, that you're running your accounting right and teaching you how to uh, read financial reports you may not know if you're making money or not. Mm-hmm. You may think, well, there's money going into my bank, so I'm making money. Right. And that may not be true. Mm-hmm. CPA can help you make sure that, you know, you're, that you're keeping score and that you're actually making a profit. You know, a profit is when we charge more for what the product or service we're selling than it costs to produce it. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs uh, are out there charging, more, uh, charging less for their product or service than it costs to make it, and they just mm-hmm. don't know it. Right. A CPA is the person that can really help you figure that out, right? Mm-hmm. So the second and the second relationship that you need is you need a banker. Everyone's got a bank, but everyone does not have a banker. Mm-hmm. A banker is someone that they you know they they know your name, they know your voice, you've got their cell phone number, they have yours. If there's a problem with your account, they're going to call you. Um, they're not just going to 
let the mail come to you. They're going to alert you to it. If you have a, a problem, you can reach out to them directly and tell them what's happening mm-hmm. because you get much better uh, results from them. Uh, an example I like to use is maybe there's, maybe you've had uh, a little bit of a cash flow crunch mm-hmm. and you need to write a check tonight mm-hmm. because you have a business opportunity that can't, if you do, if you write the check tonight, uh, you get this opportunity and you're going to have a deposit to make in the morning. Mm-hmm. If you just have a bank, you can't do that. That's right. you're writing a hot check. Mm-hmm. If you have a banker, you can call the banker and, and tell them what's happening. If they have a relationship with you and they trust you, then they're going to say, that's fine, Bob, go ahead, write the check. I'll see you in the morning with the deposit. And you've been able to take advantage of that opportunity, even though your cash was a little bit low. And mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened to you, it will. Mm-hmm. I had a banker in my office this week talking about this very thing. And he said, yeah, if I, if I know you and like you, then I'm going to help you through that. If I don't, you're not, you're just going to, you will have written a hot check. If you don't have overdraft protection, then we're going to be down to the DA's office coming after you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all about relationship and you have to have that one in place. So that's early on and you have to go into the bank, shake hands and actually talk to people face to face. I know we don't like doing that anymore. And they don't like us to do it. Well, the, the actual bankers like it. Right. Uh, the institutions are trying to make you go through the ATMs. Mm-hmm. So you have to go, you know, go to their business hours, go in and meet them. Mm-hmm. You open your account, ask to be introduced, um, and then make yourself a little bit of a pest. Mm-hmm. You know them. Maybe take them uh, coffee uh, every once in a while when you're out and about. Those kind of things go a long way um, in building rapport and relationship with that banker. Mm-hmm. Next relationship that you should have as a business owner to shatterproof your business is you need to have an insurance broker. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need someone that can, can look at your business enterprise and say, here's the coverages that you should have. Mm-hmm. You know, they know you, they know what you're doing and here's the coverages. And then you go, I can't afford all this. And they go, okay, well you've got it. Let's start here. You have to have this one, this one, and then we can grow into the others. And then they do regular checkups with you to make sure that they you still have the right coverages. Um, and then you can, as you grow, take those on. If you don't have someone that knows your business, spends time with you, can shop around for you and find the best rates for those policies, then you're, you're leaving yourself exposed and you're not shatterproof. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth relationship, and it's not last uh, because it's least important, is the lawyer. Mm-hmm. You have a lawyer. And that doesn't mean that you have a buddy that's a lawyer that you can talk to. Right. If you're, if you're not paying them, um, they're not your lawyer. Mm-hmm. They're your friend that has legal knowledge. Mm-hmm. You need to form a relationship with a lawyer. And that generally means you're going to need to hire them. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, that would mean you would give write them a check called a retainer. And then every time you call them, they would bill you. I would, I would encourage you not to do that to find a lawyer that works on a different type of a model where you're paying them a set monthly fee for a bundle of services so that you know what you're paying every month. So you can budget. It's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what you're going to get for that. And they know what they have to give you. It's a a fair relationship. They're then on your team. You can have them, you can have meetings with them and you have meetings with the CPA. They can talk to each other and you don't have to worry about getting billed for that time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where we have the access plan where our clients pay us. Uh, we have four different levels. Um, they're all reasonably priced mm-hmm. to where you can have the kind of access that you want for phone calls, email questions, text questions. You know, you walk out, you're in a meeting and some legal issue comes up and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do that or not. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have time to 
Google a lawyer, make an appointment two weeks later. No, you don't. Right. You need to be able to call now, get that question answered, make your decision and move forward. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got that lawyer tied down into a relationship, you can do that. And if you've already got the the dollars, the dollars figured out, then you know it's in your budget. You don't have to be have any apprehension about making contact with that lawyer because one, you're comfortable with them because you know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, you know they're not going to take money out of your pocket just because you asked them a question. Mm-hmm. So that would be one major strategy that I would really encourage your listeners to do. Another one, uh, you mentioned trademarks. Mm-hmm. That's important. Uh, copyright law right now is a, a real problem because of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you can very easily be infringing on, on others' copyrights uh, and not even know it. Right. right? So we're, we're creating websites, landing pages, uh, social media posts like crazy. And if you're a, a solopreneur, you're, you're, you're sitting at your desk at night doing this stuff. The easiest thing to do is go to Google Images and grab what you like. And yeah. use it. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, the, that path is not the path. Um, because someone else owns the copyright to those images mm-hmm. and they're, they're, all, they're all encoded. And so there's computer bots out tracking those codes. Mm-hmm. And when they find them on the wrong pages, uh, then you get... The, le- the dreaded cease and desist letter, and there are statutory penalties uh, in the thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for having someone else's image on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say it's, uh, I'm going to say it's $10,000. If it's less, it's less, but it's mm-hmm. around $10,000. Mm-hmm. And if they sue you, you, you do pay that and right. you pay their attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. There's not, you don't get to tell the judge, Hey, I didn't know, or, yeah. You know, I didn't do that. My webmaster did that. Yeah, somebody else did it. Mm-hmm. Do you own the webpage? Yeah, it's yours. You did mm-hmm. it, uh, and you're in trouble. And so you have to f- make sure that your the images that you're using on your websites are um, are royalty free. There are some sites you can use for that, right? Mm-hmm. Or that you've you've been on sites uh, where you actually pay mm-hmm. for the image. You download it and you get a license for a lim- for whatever purpose you're using um, to use that image mm-hmm. and. You know, so that's what we do here is that I've, you know, I purchase images on a regular basis. We have you know, a, a digital file full of images that we have a license to use so that everyone on my team knows if we go to this folder, we can use any image in that folder and we're okay. Right. Um, if yeah. you don't and do that, you can get big trouble. The, the nice thing is the, the, the costs for that have changed so much. You know, I remember when we would pay $500 for an image. Right. Now, if I pay $5, I'm like, oh. And, you know, and, and so, and, and you can certainly find free ones. There are free websites, you know, all these various things. Of course, the best thing is to take the picture yourself because then you own it. Um, But yeah, but always research. I mean, you know, like the, the, the music that I use for this program, I had to be very careful when I bought it as to what the usage was. Um, you know, sometimes some websites uh, or some, you know, some sites will say, if you're buying this image, it can only be seen X number of times. Right. Well, you know, if your website's really popular, you might hit that. Um, you know, so again, read the legal part. We know, you know, you don't really like to, but, you know, it, it's it's not worth it. I had somebody contact me one time and it was an attorney and he said, hey, you know, uh, on behalf of my client, we got this letter that said we used th- that they used an image um, that they had done. You know, they'd gone to Google Images, they did right click, they went, "Oh, hey, this is a pretty picture. Let's save it." Then they got the UOS 
lots and lots of money. Um, you know, and, and they had them, you know, they just, they, they blew it. And they were fortunate enough that they did a huge mea culpa. They immediately took the images off. Um, and, and, you know, they, there were all sorts of things, but there, you know, there were, were still ramifications to that simply because they went, Ooh, pretty picture. <laughs> oh yeah. It can be really, really bad. And you got to make sure if you're a solo printer, it's easier, right? Cause it's just you and maybe your vendors. Right. Uh, if you have a team, mm-hmm. uh, then you've got to make sure they're not doing it too. Right. So you have mm-hmm. some policies in place to make mm-hmm. sure that's not happening. Right. Doable, but you got to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or if you have clients, you know, I design websites, I do social media posts mm-hmm. for, for businesses and I tell them either I buy the image and then invoice you or you show me proof. You know, now obviously I know if they're taking it themselves, but if, if I can tell it's a stock photo, I tell them you have to prove to me that you bought it or I, or I don't use it. And, you know, and they're like, but it was pretty. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I love the concept that you have this subscription-based access plan, um, legal services. And, and it was funny, before the, the program, we were talking about the fact that Many people do something like that personally. You know, there are services like Legal Shield where we pay per month so that if we ever, you know, personally need an attorney, uh, and, and you mentioned that Legal Shield does have some, some business services, but, you know, it should be one of those things back to, you know, that, you know, um, you know it, it's just a business expense that we should have every day um, or every month. You know, you just plan on, hey, we're going to have legal needs. Obviously, businesses are different. Um, you know, I want to encourage people, especially if you have employees, you really need to look into making sure that, that you have appropriate um, legal services and, and things like that, because you never know what could happen with, you know, having employees and, and, you know, depending on your type of business, you know, all these various things. But, you know, tell us a little bit more about Access Plan. Yeah, the, the, the Access Plan is designed for- to work with all levels of business. And so we have four different uh, sections of our levels of the plan. So, you know, for startup entrepreneurs, all the way to people whose businesses are doing $10 million mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to touch anything legal. They want only my team to do it. Mm-hmm. So we have price ranges for everybody, but the basics are that you get access to me and my team with, with questions. So you have a legal question, you can get it answered in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get access to some audio uh audio reports that I do on different legal and business issues there. I've done some legal training. A lot of people haven't had the opportunity to go to law school uh, mm-hmm. or even to um, have a business law class because right. that wasn't what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Well, now well, we watch Boston legal on TV. There right? you go. Yeah. <laughs> in Ukraine. Uh, and so you can, you can get a little bit of education so that you're a wiser entrepreneur and then, you know, a little more question, the right questions to ask. Um, the problem with business owners is that you're very good at what you do. You know all about your stuff, you, but you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You have a blind side because you just you don't even know the right questions to ask sometimes because you just aren't trained that way. Mm-hmm. And with the access plan, you're able to have an ongoing relationship with a legal team that knows you. You know them. We can give you the right context for what you're doing. And so you're able to make better decisions on a daily basis because of the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, The top three levels of the plans, we spend at least 30 minutes a month with each client completely focused on their business Mm -hmm. so that um, we get to know you better and we can see your business from what I call a bird's eye view Mm -hmm. instead of down in the trees. Right. Because you're in the middle of it and you're going to miss some things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but we can see things like maybe there's a problem in your contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you're not making that offer right uh, when you're trying to get the job. And we can help you craft those things and then get better over, as we get feedback to make it more and more shatterproof. And so it's just really, a, it's just, it's a simple relationship that you pay a monthly subscription fee for. You're not billed by the hour. And then if you're, the different levels also come with discounts on other services that aren't included. Mm-hmm. The trademark isn't included in the access plan, but you would get a discount depending on which level your, your, your membership is. Mm-hmm. And so it makes everything more affordable. And the things that aren't in the access plan, we do flat fees. So you call us and say, Hey, I need a trademark. Hey, I need, whatever, uh, I need a will and a trust. Well, we give you what the flat fee is for that. And then you just take your discount and you know right up front how much it's going to cost instead of getting billed by the hour. Mm-hmm. And so it takes all the fear out of it. Um, and like you said, there there are other ways to do it. You can use uh, Legal Shield, and, I th- and there's even competitors for Legal Shield. Um, but with us, you, you get, you're going to have an access coordinator that, you know, you're going to have access lawyers that know, you know, and they know you, you'll have our cell phone numbers to where you have a real relationship with a lawyer, um, that you can CC on an email to an angry customer or client, um, which gives you instant. (laughs) I I love it when I'm able to do that. (laughs) And you shouldn't do that if you don't have a lawyer, um, you know, in, in, in a relationship, if it's your buddy, you should not do that. All right, right. Because you're opening them up to a, a situation also. Yep. Well, Scott, you know, this this really has been absolutely fascinating. And, you know, before we, we close out, I did want to mention you are physically located in Texas. Can you work with people in all 50 states? I can. Um, we can. We serve as general counsel for business owners across the country. I can't come to your state. Uh, yeah, you could, but it costs you, right? <laughs> uh, but if they, um, but we just do all our work from what I call the mothership. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you have something that's really state specific, then we can get uh, we can get a state a lawyer licensed in your state involved. I'm licensed in Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. I've got associates that are licensed in multiple states. And so we already cover several with licenses, but basically what we focus on are, are your contracts right? Uh, is your entity structure right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, do you have the right policy and procedure manuals in place to make sure that you're not getting yourself in trouble? It's what I call the kind of the low hanging legal fruit that people just aren't taking care of. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a really complicated legal issue in your state, then we would quarterback that for you, get mm-hmm. you to the right lawyer that maybe needs to lit- do fits litigation uh, that kind of thing, then we are then the person that kind of interprets what's going on for you and make sure you're getting the right service. And so, yeah, we work with people all over the country. Great. You know, and I, I'm, you also would take, you know, the, the one-time type of things and all sure. of those various things. So, great. Yeah. Well, Scott, how do people find you and connect with you online? You know, the easiest way is to go to reblaw.com, R-E-I-B-L-A-W.com, and we've created a special page that is reblaw.com forward slash business power hour that has four uh, kind of special offers for just for your listeners. Cool. The first uh, offer is um, it's, it's a free download. On, the title of it is Could Your Emails Form Binding Contracts? The mm. answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And it shows you how they can and how you could use that to your benefit if you want to and to do it in a very clean and precise way. And it's a free download so that you can just have more information. Uh, information is power. Um, and then you can also uh, buy one of my ebooks, the 
Proven Strategies book. Um, and then we have a special offer on a business law masterclass, which is a video series um, to make you smarter. And then, of course, you have a button where you can get more information on the access plans so you can figure out which plan uh, would be right for you. And then on all of those buttons, there's a way for you to reach out to me and my team so that you can get more information on what we do. And then you can find me on scottreeb.com if, for instance, you wanted maybe to have me come out and speak to, uh, to a group uh, to, or to uh, do, do something like that. Great. You know, and for our international guests, there are services that you can offer, but you know, we're not going to detail those. But if there's something that you need here in the United States, please you know, feel free to contact Scott. Well, Scott, this is, is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, it, it gets in the trenches and a lot of it is, you know, things that we don't want to think about because we're making our lace doilies and we're selling this <laughs> and we're doing that. But, you know, it is about protecting ourselves, our families. You know, I don't want to, you know, have somebody have a problem and they lose their house. Sure. I mean, you know, that, that happens. So, you know, we do need to consider these things and folks don't think just because you're providing a service that things can't happen also, you know, and, and so, you know, if you're, if you're doing business, you need to make sure that you're taking the appropriate legal steps. So Scott, do you have any final words for our listeners? Yeah, just if if you're in business, take it seriously um, and use the professionals that know what they're doing. It goes from creating your website to, um, all the way to setting up your entity. Just mm-hmm. make sure that you're getting professional advice all, all along the way so that, again, so that you can make sure that you're building your business on the right foundation. Great. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Scott Reeb. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.